As parents of autistic kids, their beautiful brains amaze us every day. But this show is about our mental wellness. Hi, I'm Shani. And I'm Autumn. Together, we tackle the hard truths about parenting autism and how sometimes it can feel like we're drowning. In a puddle of our own tears. (laughs) (laughs) We're here to let you know we hear you. We see you. And and you you can can thrive underwater. The Thrive Underwater podcast is not a replacement for therapy, diagnosis, or treatment. If you're having a mental health emergency, please contact 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. If you're struggling with your mental health, please reach out to your local provider in your area. Hey, just wanted to let you know that we do use colorful language. You have been warned. If you enjoy our podcast and want to support our work, visit our website at thriveunderwater.com where you will find more information about our show and a link to our Patreon. A no-cost way to support our show is to subscribe, rate, and share this program with others. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Thrive Underwater and on our Facebook group at Thrive Underwater Community. Thank you and enjoy the show. Okay, so listeners, we do have a little bit of a trigger warning for our episode. Shani, you want to take it away? Uh, there are some moments where Steve mentions, it, as he's describing his story, some child abuse, uh, spiritual abuse and deconstruction. And we just wanted you to be aware. So if you need to take care of yourself while you're listening or not listen, that is perfectly fine. Absolutely. So on to our show. What is up, Shani? Hey, Autumn, and welcome, everybody, to the show. Yeah, um, we're interviewing my husband today. (laughs) Not dangerous at all, right? (laughs) But, you know, before we get started, I just want to give a shout out to all our European, what, and Australian Mm, and Canadian listeners. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. We are worldwide, baby. (laughs) How amazing is that? When we started this, I was like, man, this Southern accent definitely comes with a lot of stereotypes. Nobody outside of Alabama is going to listen to us, but here we oh, are. Oh, no, no. I mean, I, and you know, I knew that we'd be able to exceed the borders of Alabama, but I'm still surprised, right? I, I know. It's so great. Yay. Thank Yay. you all for listening so much. We appreciate it. Back to interviewing my hubs. So Yes. And, <laughs> you know, actually, I'm looking forward to getting the male perspective on the show. This will be great. Yeah, actually, um, one of the things that hits me is that culturally, at least in America, um, men generally don't speak about how they're feeling about things. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, at least it's that's the case, it seems to be here in the U.S. Yeah. So hope we gain some insight. Yeah. And uh, let me just give a a little disclaimer here uh, before we continue that even though I'm a therapist, this is not a therapy session. Steve and Autumn are friends. And so this is sort of um, a kind of a fact finding mission to gain insight uh, into the lives of um, the male parent experience, Steve's experience. So I'm really excited to do this. Yeah. 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 And anything that um, Steve or you are not comfortable sharing, we can always, you know, say I prefer not to answer that or anything like that. I want to be really sensitive to that. Yeah, I appreciate that. But I am editing the podcast. (laughs) True. I will cut that mess out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, a little bit about my husband. Um, he and I were married in 2005. Our son was born four years later um, after many years trying to conceive. As far as work goes, Steve spent most of his career as a haberdasher, which if you don't know what that is, it's a men's custom clothier. Um, and now he is a sleep and mattress expert. And he's very, very good at his job. Interesting note, he did spend time as a preacher and teacher within the Christian faith. Uh, his spiritual journey, it's been an interesting one for sure. And much of this journey was shaped by our son and his disabilities. Um, I don't know if he'll talk some about that, but I'll say that this was a real turning point for both of our spiritual journeys. And it was a hard time in our marriage. Um, but our son's 12 now, and we've built a really strong family um, through a lot of mental health challenges, financial challenges, and just the day-to-day -day hurdles that every parent of an autistic child goes through. And um, I talk a lot about my experience on the podcast, but now it's time for my husband to speak his. And I'm more than a little curious and a whole lot fearful about this interview. <laughs> well, it's okay. It'll be okay. I'm here with you too. And like you yeah. said, whatever doesn't sound so good, you can cut it out. <laughs> yep, cut it out. <laughs> but no, I'm sure that this will give a lot of great insights and uh, information for the people out there listening, because I feel like there are going to be a lot of people who can really relate to this. So I think so too. Yeah. Um, okay. Welcome to Thrive, Steve. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you're actually, uh, I appreciate the fact that you're so supportive of uh, this effort that Shani and I are, are doing. Thanks, babe. Yeah, that's great. Well, what y'all are doing is uh, so important because, you know, I wish I had this resource when Asher was full, first diagnosed and having a roadmap to get through this would have been great because mm -hmm. so often we were just kind of wandering around in the desert. Yeah, yeah. same. That's mm -hmm. That's true. So, yeah, thanks, Steve. Yeah. Thanks, babe. All right. So we're going to start out with your childhood because you have quite the inter interesting history and childhood. So I'll let you start wherever you want to start with that. I had an unusual childhood, I would say. It had a lot of great things. We had great extended family and things of that nature. But both of my parents were mentally ill and mm -hmm. undiagnosed. And so that caused a lot of dysfunction, mm -hmm. times of hunger, times of just moving around from place to place, times of being homeless. Wow. It was strange. Can I just ask you what, what that was like for you as a kid? Yeah, it, it was it was difficult. I, first of all, I had a speech impediment. I guess I should mm. lay that out. And so the first five years of school was, you know, going through speech therapy and things like that. And so I had a difficulty communicating and <laughs> it was difficult in a new, we were going from city to city and it was difficult meeting new people with a speech impediment. Yeah. And so I, I eventually got to the point where I didn't, and I'm still this way to some extent, my relationships with people were very superficial. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. And what was it like with uh, so it sounds like it was pretty chaotic with your parents uh, struggles and moving around a lot. Do you remember how you felt as a child, what that was like for you? Or were you just sort of in survival mode or what was what do you remember? 
I think survival mode might be the uh, best way to describe it. You know, how, how am I going to get through this new adventure where that, wherever that new adventure was, you know, how am I going to fit in? How am I, uh, I felt really isolated, I guess is the word. Mm. And then that became a, a habit of, you know, not wanting friends because eventually I'm going to have to leave them anyway. Mm. Yeah. How, how many times was it that you moved before what age? Uh, 22 times before the age of 14. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. I I'm curious how you think that impacted you. You said even today it can be somewhat difficult socially. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, if, if I'm with you, mm-hmm. I'll, love being with you. I love the interaction, but I will not take the step to continue that further. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of my friendships are very superficial in that their work relationships or what have you. And if you change jobs and your friends change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I and still so- struggle with that. Mm. I did want to talk about too, you did have like a really good grandparent situation with your father's parents. Yeah. And so you had a really good relationship there and you actually spent time living with grandparents along the way, if I'm not, am I mistaken? No, not really. We lived with aunts and uncles or we lived in aunts and uncles homes or we <laughs> lived in hotels. I mean, it, hmm. my, my dad was an interesting fella. He had incredible talents. And so there were times when he made an enormous amount of money. I mean, in 1969, we had a car phone. I mean, mm. who had a car phone right. in 1969? Uh, but then a year later, we're living in a hotel because we're broke. Mm. And then I lose all my toys because the hotel locked us out of the room because we hadn't paid our bill. Mm. Mm. And how old were you then? Seven, eight, four, five, six, oh, four, five. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And, um, just at, you know, and this is not something you have to answer at all. So if you're not comfortable with it, that's fine. But you said that uh, both parents struggled with mental health issues. Do you know what the nature of it was? Like what? My dad was schizophrenic. Wow. Okay. And my not, mom. Not, not diagnosed by no. a professional, just looking back on it with uh, keen awareness. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I had always thought he was just a liar. Uh, but then the more I spent time with him, the more I realized he actually believes what he's saying. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like one time he almost died cause he got shot 27 times in the back by the, uh, gold cartel because mm. they yeah. were after him and mm. well, where are the bullet holes, you know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right, right. Wow. He, I, when I eventually confronted him on it, he just completely abandoned himself from my life for the most part. Wow. Mm. Yeah. How old were you when that happened? When that happened, I was 25 or so. Mm. Tw- uh, yeah, 26. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the first time he had kind of abandoned you. Oh, no. He abandoned us when I was in first grade. So I was mm. seven. Mm. Six or seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a big struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And then he abandoned us again when I was 14. Mm. So he'd kind of come in and out. Yeah. Uh, when he left when I was 14, he never came back. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Steve, if you are comfortable maybe talking a little bit about your mom and what she was like during those times, how she responded to um, your dad leaving. And if there was any sort of um, also any like how they dealt with with you at that time, if they dealt with you (laughs) at all, so to speak. When my dad left, I didn't see him for three years. Uh, I talked to him on the phone a couple times. It wasn't t- until in my twenties that I got to spend some time with him. Uh, but my mom just obviously didn't take this well. She was not a well-educated woman, and I remember the most defining moment, I guess I would say, with my mother was uh, I was about fourteen, and she was accusing me of something. I forget what it was, but what she was accusing me of, I wasn't guilty of, and I showed her the proof of it. And, uh, I said, now apologize to me. And, um, she said, I won't do it. I said, apologize to me or I will never forgive you and never love you again. Hmm. And she said, I will not do it. Wow. And so that was kind of the defining moment with our relationship. And I, we struggled with that until a few months before she died. And I was able to, you know, tell her, you know, listen, I'm sorry. And I love you in the way I can love you. Mm, mm. So who did you turn to when you were a kid with all that going on where there were really, uh, you know, the, the main adults in your life, your parents were not really there for you. Who did you turn to? Who do you feel like were some stable adult forces in your life that were positive? Well, I turned to church, but uh-huh. the problem was, is I was seriously depressed and I didn't realize mm-hmm. it. And so I went through these stages where I would get my life right. Mm-hmm. And I was baptized four times to just kind of give you an idea of how sick I was because I never could get it right because I had an illness that I didn't realize I had. And I was mm-hmm. medicating it with drugs and sex mm-hmm. and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So some way to cope, some way to cope. But then you would feel guilty about that. And then you would try to medicate with religion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So would you say that there weren't a lot of connections to other people that you had positive connections? I had, uh, you know, some aunts and uncles that I think tried, Mm -hmm. uh, but I was the son of a black sheep on one side. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. And on the other side of my family, I was the son of the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know what kind of dynamic that played into it, but I kind of got lost there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I know that you, you know, you did have, like you said, some aunts and uncles and, and grandparents, but they weren't like a real steady, what is the word that I need to use here? Uh, rely, reliable, always a reliable source of stability because of your mom. Yeah, because of my mom. My, yes. my mom, she had a real dislike for the Calverts for, for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so after, well, even before uh, my dad left, she tried to keep me away from them. And I don't know, understand why, but uh, she did. And it was weird because if I went to go see the Calvert grandparents, I had to spend the equal amount of time with her parents, Mm -hmm. uh, which was kind of wild because her parents didn't really want us around. 
when I went to go see my grandparents, I had to stay with an aunt or uncle. I couldn't stay with my grandparents. Can we talk a little bit about the depression and when you realized what it was that you were struggling with, that 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 it had a name and that it was an actual thing that was going on with you? I guess I first had the name depression was, you know, back in my 20s. Uh Uh, But how I solved it was going to Christian counselors because the the evils of science, you know, which we can talk about later if you're open to it, how your thoughts about that changed. Right. I mean, yeah. And part of it was coming the realization that I had a real mental illness. And of course, I still medicated, but one of my medications is Prozac now. Looking back on it, my depression started when I was a, a small kid mm-hmm. with all the moving around. I was, I was already showing the, the signs of depression as a child, and, and I didn't get it treated until seven years ago. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So I was over 50. How did that manifest in your life? Isolation was the big one. And then humor. You know, trying to pull yourself out by creating laughter. So I was a class clown coming up because that's one of the ways I could connect with people is by making them laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, from what I hear from Autumn and knowing the two of you, it sounds like that relationship runs pretty deep. So here's a person who you don't just connect with on the surface. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, she's easy to love. So that's uh, uh, um, uh, <laughs> that makes it so nice. damn sweet. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. It, but she's forced it, too. Uh, I mean, uh, she has pushed me. I mean, she constantly let me know I'm not leaving you. We're to in this together. Uh, mm. So our, there, our success is all her. That's not true. Yeah. I mean, I think it does take two to tango. Right. But it sounds like what you're saying, Steve, is that she sort of challenges maybe some of the thoughts inside, especially some of the thoughts that depression may. Even interfere, you know, with relationships, how depression interferes with relationships, um, you know, maybe convincing you, I'm guessing, convincing you it's better off alone. I'm, you know, kind of the isolation talk. Yeah. Is that. Yeah. And and she's very good in giving me my space too. Mm. I work in the public. It, it, that is very emotionally draining for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I'm very good at it. I think, okay. I think it's more that I've learned you need it. Oh, okay. Mm. And well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I necessarily like doing it. Mm. Because he works in the public and I'm a stay-at-home mom. And by the time oh, he gets home, yeah. I need a an adult mm-hmm. to talk to and he needs alone time. So that can be <sighs> kind of a that can be kind of a point of friction with us. But I yeah, um, I appreciate you noticing, honey, that I do try. Yeah. Well, isn't that just the the way of relationships? We sometimes do things for each other that we don't particularly want to or enjoy doing, but it's because we really understand our partner needs it. And this is what will replenish them and give them the break. And then, you know, we can sort of come together better as a team. That did not happen overnight. Oh, no. oh, oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, with my husband, too, it's always it's been a journey for sure. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Still a journey. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> on, it's ongoing, right? Yeah. We yeah. don't get to a point where we're like, okay, we're done that we got it done. <laughs> no, no. I wish that would be so much easier, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like the transition to becoming parents and then, you know, eventually getting Asher's diagnosis? What were the early days like? I mean, that whole thing, I mean, Autumn almost dying. Yeah. They don't know about that. No, nobody knows about that on the podcast. So you might want to like elab- elaborate just a little bit. You don't have to go into the gory details, but yeah. All right. Well, at first, the pregnancy was very challenging. Autumn, you need to put a picture of you in the show notes of that big old belly of yours. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. She was as big as a house. My God. Looks like she was having quadruplets. I mean, my, oh my goodness God. gracious. Um, I did. Yeah. It was very, very large. Belly. Wow. <laughs> it was big. Yeah. And we had indications that there was a problem very early on. Of course, then he was born and uh, then Autumn went through the health issues after the birth, having going, mm-hmm. having to go back to the hospital. Uh, a month later, she started bleeding out and oh almost died. A- another 10 minutes would have been a different story. Mm. So then we had that stress and then yeah. she had to recuperate and we we had that period. And then we began to start noticing that there were some developmental issues. Nobody was sleeping. Nobody Um, was sleeping. Oh God. uh, Yeah. It it was uh, a nightmare. So how old was he at that point? Well, from, from birth till he was five, maybe. Yeah. Four. Four Four or five. He, he did not sleep through the night and there was lots of wailing and looking Uh, back on it. Of course, we realize, oh, this world was way too bright, way too loud, way uh-huh. too everything mm, mm. for his mind to handle. Yeah. But at the time, we were like, we just need sleep. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, God. And did you have, was autism even a consideration at, at all at that point? No, I don't think so. And, and then uh, as he began to develop, the doctors kept on saying, well, he's too personable. He interacts too much. He's yeah. not autistic. And then we started down the road of realizing there were other physical issues going on. Oh. One health condition after another right. and then developmental issues. And it got to be very stressful. Yeah. How was how was the coping at, at those early days between the two of you or for you individually? What, what was happening for you um, just as a dad and as a partner? Well, at this point, I was still an evangelical at the time. I believe this was all my fault. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that is painful to, to think that everything that's happening with your child somehow has to do with your behavior or what you what was what you were doing or you caused it. So when did that begin to change? Several things that were taking place at all at the same time. Number one, Asher going through his diagnosis and all that and feeling like this was God's punishment. Mm. So that was coming on from one side. And then the other side is me looking at my son and knowing that I would do anything in the world to help him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a freaking better person than my God is. Mm. And so. 
those two things were converging. So my theology and my compassion, mm-hmm. it hit. And, and then something uh, happened with a, a church we were going to in regards to our son. Yeah, he got I kicked out. Yeah, I did not take very well. Oh, and yeah. mm-hmm. um, Steve, I'll let you speak to how you handled it, but it it didn't. It didn't jive with me very well. Well, see, I was still under the impression that this was all my fault still. <sighs> and, and so when the church kicked him out of the children's program, this is just my cross that I have to bear and we'll have to figure it out because, you know, this this is my my fault. That was very trying because Autumn was much more mature about it than I was. As I'm far not as sure that I was very mature. I would well, say you, that I was, you, I was you had ready righteous, to, righteous yeah. anger. I was just anger. Mm. Well, I think this speaks to the, the, uh, such a common experience among autistic families that get rejected or kind of cast out from these sort of, you know, institutions, whether it's school or church or these sort of the mainstream um, kind of neurotypical places that just make you feel like we don't have room for you and we don't want you. And and I don't know if that's always the case, but that is the feeling, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be speaking for all mothers now. And that is not a good place to speak from, but I'm just going to say it. I think that from a, a mother's perspective, when my child is rejected for me, Mm. that is a rejection of me and my husband and my child. Mm -hmm. And it, I I don't know, it just clicks a button inside my soul that I'm not really exactly sure what it is, Mm. but it, yeah, it threw, it threw our marriage into a tizzy for quite a while, for Mm. months, Mm -hmm. for months. Mm -hmm. Well, I was still supporting the church and, mm -hmm. and she was rightfully mad. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I was in the wrong. So how so when was the point where that's shifted for you? So you were sort of coming to terms with religion and whether that's correct, right, that 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 this was all because of how you were living your life and that kind of thing. Um, So when did that start to fall away for you? In 2016, I remember it well, uh, in August, I made a determination to live as an atheist for one year. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I tried not to pray, uh, you know, I, I tried to distance myself from all religious activities and I would only read atheist material. Hmm. I, I didn't read any, uh, religious material at all that year. Here was the problem that I got to the God I was worshiping was no longer worthy to be worshiped. Mm. And that was devastating to me probably still is to some extent, you know, going through that deconstruction. But I and and it is all because of Asher, you know, seeing the way the world was treating him Mm -hmm. and I I could no longer worship a God that wouldn't treat him. That would treat him the way he did. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I got to the point that I began to see myself. I'm better than the God I'm worshiping. Mm -hmm. And so I just will stop worshiping. Mm. And I will live as an atheist for a year. And I just never went back. Yeah. So it's amazing how much our kids teach us and guide us in the end. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So when did Asher uh, get the diagnosis? How did you come about that process? Because something in you was like, no, what people are saying about him being too social, too sociable is not correct. There's something else going on here. Well, uh, the geneticist at Vanderbilt said something very interesting to us when we went. Of course, he was saying that Asher was an autistic. But he said, this is probably what happened. There's a genetic mutation in you that you passed on to Asher. And Autumn has got a genetic mutation that she passed on. The two of y'all can deal with those mutations fine, but you put the two together and then this is what you have. I'm not uh, so sure we deal with our mutations fine, though. Well, <laughs> that's what I'm beginning to realize well, is, no, I did not uh, deal well. With so my- this is so interesting because, you know, there's different theories and th- different um, schools of thought around uh, whether it's genetic, whether it's um, a combination of different things, whether it's just a neuro, a, a different neurotype, like a difference in neurotype. And Autumn and I often talk about neurodivergencies and whether we recognize those in ourselves and, and all that. So is that what you're saying? Like, are you, do you think that, that would, did he sort of uh, force your hand, so to speak, in reflecting about your own uh, neurotype? Oh, yeah, he really did. Because that got me thinking, Okay, now this makes sense to to me. He didn't do it. I did it. Okay, you did. (laughs) I remember the day now you were were standing at the kitchen counter. Now, it could have been happening in your mind. Now, let's be, well, <laughs> let's be fair, though. If Asher wasn't around, then, no, that is know. true. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> I remember him standing at the kitchen counter and it hit me like lightning. And I turned to him and I said, it was not long after Asher got diagnosed. And I said, honey, you're autistic, too. Mm. And he was like, I know she not. keeps on trying to uh, uh, diagnose me. I'm going to uh, let I, I'm going to let Shani take it from here. Yeah, I I, I mean, I'm not ashamed to wear the title autistic, but I don't know that's who I am. Uh Uh, So uh, uh, um, I I think it's unfair to people that actually have that diagnosis for me to say that I'm uh, autistic and I haven't been diagnosed that. Well, besides, of course. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean. Well, um, sometimes uh, a wife knows, right, <laughs> better than anyone or a mother. <laughs> but, but um, you know, all kidding aside, uh, th- it's not uncommon, it seems, for parents to start recognizing themselves in their children. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's a process. And I think also given what you've shared with us about your childhood and your past about, you know, relationship struggles and things like that, you know, with autism, it's not just relational um, struggles or issues that are, uh, you know, some of the diagnostic criteria, there are other things, but we, and you can, if you identify with a lot of those criteria, sometimes a self-diagnosis um, is, is valid, you know, I mean, I think that's okay. Um, but, you know, no, I've taken a test online and it says I'm probably autistic, uh-huh. but yeah. I, yeah. I, I, and, there again, I've taken tests online and it's told me that I'm a cow. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, I also, you know, I, I do think we have two things going on culturally where, and, and again, this might be a whole other podcast, but 
there's definitely this like TikTok movement about people deciding that they're autistic based off of one or two things that they relate to. Um, and then and then there's the more, you know, um, there's also the more serious route where it's, you know, for some people, they start to identify certain behaviors or traits that they have. And some things all of a sudden really make sense. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I have a real struggle in crowds. I'm socially inept. I, I just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the, the social aspect, I do relate to what yeah. some autistic people experience. Yeah. I mean, there and there's a lot of I mean, if you're you know, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of uh, good resources out there that are more, uh, let's say, um, uh, valid than like the cow type test, right? (laughs) Um, that where there's, you know, it's a lot more research done into it and, and things like that. And and then you can see whether it makes sense for you, right? Like, is it, you know, when we talk about crowds, like a lot of people have issues with crowds. Some people it's the noise, it's the social aspect. It's the, that it's, there's too much to process. So the processing It's too much to process because what I I hear all these conversations going on at the same time. Mm. And uh, (laughs) we're all like, yes, yep. I I can't concentrate on just one. I can't concentrate on all of them. So it just sends me into a I'm going to just shut down and stand in the corner uh, kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Though well, I, I liked preaching because I was in yeah. front of the crowd. Okay. This is well, exactly the same. This, this yeah. is, ex- I, I have the same thing. Shani mm-hmm. and I have talked about this. We're both very socially awkward. I mean, we went to a uh-huh. the ball field the other day and, I, and I, the next time we talked, I was like, I am so sorry. I was so weird yesterday. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, no, I was weird. I was like, what do I do with myself now? (laughs) I am going to smile and not try to say words. (laughs) um, Yeah. But no, I think, I mean, it's, it's funny because it's like different parts of the brain uh, brain are active when you're doing something like um, performing or preaching or, you know, there's like the structure to it and which can feel very uh, comforting and containing. Right. I know what I'm supposed to do next. Right. That kind of thing. Um, But I have a question. This might be sort of like a full circle question. I wonder we're taking a little bit of a different route here, but Steve, maybe you could speak a little bit to how do you think being raised the way you were, all the things that you went through affected your um, parenting? how you see yourself as a father, what do you feel like you learned about parenting um, or didn't learn about parenting from your family? And also how this might be very complicated because I know it is for me, um, but I'm always fascinated by people's answers. And then how is it to be parenting a child where quote unquote regular parenting doesn't really work for them? Oh, no, it's very difficult. I'm seeing behaviors in Asher that I had uh, and how my dad handled it is just beat the shit out of me. And and then I guess what? I miraculously stopped doing those behaviors. And, and but that's not some, somewhere I want to go with my child. Right. OK, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so he so he you would behave in a certain way. He would beat you. You would stop that, whatever you were doing. 
So I destructive I, behavior. Okay. I, I mean, just give you a, a, an yeah, example that is real life. I mean, because Asher breaks things by looking at them. I don't, I, I don't understand. <laughs> oh, my, same. I mean, we have the same in my house. Yeah, go ahead. But I used to take my toys apart because I wanted to see how they worked. Yeah. And then I couldn't get them back together because I broke them in the process of taking them apart. Mm-hmm. And how my dad stopped me from doing that was beating me. I mean, mm. yeah. um, so I understand Asher's behavior of destroying things. Cause I did that too. How I was able to get out of it is the beatings. Mm. I don't want to go there with my child. Oh yeah. No. Uh, so that makes it difficult. Right. And I, right. I remind him often about that. You're lucky that you're not, my dad wasn't your dad. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, I think in some ways, Yeah. You know, we still struggle with that very old school way of parenting. We hear that all the time that probably, and I'm sure you did too. Like, well, he needs spanking. You just need to, you know, get him to stop. He show him who's boss. Right. Mm -hmm. And that just does not work for our kids. I don't think it Mm -hmm. works really for any kid because that's abuse, (laughs) honestly. Right. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I mean, you shouldn't have gone through that and no child should, right. There are better ways to get a child to stop doing something destructive, but let me just go back to also there's this level of acceptance that we get to with our kids. Like my son does the same thing. He takes his toys apart. He takes not just toys apart. He takes machines, whatever he could get his hands on and then can't get them back together. But, you know, at this point, I think that's a, that's a wonderful, that's how you learn about your world, right? Like how does this thing work? And so it's sort of about getting to a level of acceptance and then guiding them, right? I mean, you know, safety, making sure that they know that some things can't be touched and and that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, but, you know, I do set limits, Limits are good. They're okay. You know, I mean, I'm not saying to acceptance doesn't mean, let let me be really clear. A lot of people sometimes think that, you know, because we parent differently, that means we're super permissive and we allow everything. No, that is not true. I mean, if he grabs one of my daughter's toys and I know she's going to be super upset that he's about to break it apart. No, that's a big no, no. We don't do that. Right. We don't do that to other people's stuff. So, yeah, I mean, there are limits and, and things like that, but better ways than just, you know, smacking a child or beating them. Um, so, so yeah, I, I'm actually kind of curious, honey, we're talking about acceptance <clears throat> and um, you and I have talked about this extensively, but since we're worldwide podcast now, we're just going to let everybody in the world know how, where are you on acceptance? This is my kid. Yeah, this is my kid. This is how my kid is. I love my kid. I think his brain is fantastic. This is the way it works and it's unique and it's different. Now, I do want to have a little caveat here. If you lined the three of us in our family up with a whole bunch of typical people, we would stand out like a sore thumb. Not one of us is typical. All three of us are strange compared in quotes, but, strange. In, yeah, strange. Yeah. So um, not strange to each other. I mean, right. Yeah. You know. yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's a little strange to each other. Yeah, maybe, but that's okay. <laughs> so where are you on that, on that um, whole acceptance thing? And, and, you know, there's no, there's no wrong answer here. It is just, it's a journey. Um, it is what it is. I, I mean, I, I don't, 
mean to be flippant and, 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 and uh, we have to play the cards that were dealt to us. We have no control over the cards that are dealt to us. And so um, I'm at the point now, there's nothing about Asher that I would, well, there's one or two things that I would change. But besides those one or two things, <laughs> uh, the, the breaking things, I wish I could change that. Um, yeah. and, and of course, there's some other things. But yeah. I, I've learned to accept myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, when- that's a huge part of this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you actually, I will say this about Steve, the, the, um, from my perspective, sorry, I'm throwing this on you, babe. Um, I have seen for, for me, the acceptance came early and smoothly, but I was in this 100% of the time, um, for Steve, it came a lot more slowly and tumultuously. And I'm really, really, really so impressed by his ability to grow as a human being and his willingness to grow as a human being. And that has only made him a better father. So I'm going to be real therapisty right now. And oh, ask Lord. Steve, <laughs> what's it like to hear Autumn say that? Oh, that was so therapisty. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, uh, it's nice to hear. I, I mean, uh, that um, uh, that's one of the things that I want to do. I want to grow as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I put a quote up yesterday that I heard on a podcast, and the quote was, if we only have two lives, uh, we start the second one when we realize we only have one. Mm. And um, I, I want to live my fullest. And in order to do that, you got to get rid of a lot of crap mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and realize that, you know, fertilizer comes from crap. And so some beautiful things can grow from it, you know? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So as a couple, I know we're talking a lot about the journey of becoming a father and wh- what it's like and that kind of thing. Um what is it, you know, if you, if you want to just, and look, we're being so honest, this, this, uh, this episode, I'm loving it. So tell us a little bit about what it's been like, how has it affected the marriage where you guys are at? Um, cause I think this is again, such a common topic for families like ours, right? Like what has it done to, um, or how have you dealt with let's, let's, do that. There's the right. There's going to be the challenges and the good things too. So how do you think it's affected your relationship? Well, you know, if you look at the statistics, I think it's like 70% of uh, special needs uh, or parents with special needs children end up divorced. Divorced, right. It's high. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's really high. It's higher than uh, the typical uh, developing child issue. And I could see where that that could really take yeah. place in a marriage because you don't have the support system or many of us don't have the support system that we really need. Right. Uh, I mean, we're lucky to live in the town that we do and have as many resources as we do have. But, but even that is, is still tough, you know, because mm-hmm. you're getting pulled in two different directions often, but dating is hard. I mean, cause I mean, you have to train the caregiver 
that's coming in to take care of your child. So finding somebody to that will understand and be up for it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But we've, uh, I mean, last week we went on a date to the grocery store. I mean, so <laughs> yeah. you got to get creative. It was about, a fancy, it was a fancy grocery store. Come on. <laughs> it was a fancy grocery store and we got some great steaks. Yeah, we did. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Yeah. So no, I think creativity definitely is a, is a good way to go. You have to. And, and it, it's not to say that this has been a um, smooth ride. Oh, right? no. Yeah. No, it is. I'm a terrible human being to live with. That is not true. Yeah, well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm a terrible human being to live with sometimes too. Uh-huh. Aren't um, we all? I mean, that's yeah. you know, yeah. That's part of life yeah. too. That's but right. when we're both terrible human beings to live with at the same time, <laughs> that is a shit storm. <laughs> we're right there. <laughs> but well, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, there were um I mean, there were a couple of times the D word was mentioned mm-hmm. that we talked about divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure that there's been more times than that than he. That Luckily, we couldn't afford it. At the we time. could not afford. <laughs> we couldn't afford it. <laughs> How to survive your marriage. Be broke. <laughs> yeah. No, look, we got to laugh about it. Right. You know, that's part of it, too. But yeah, I mean, and uh, I think that uh, I, I don't, I wish I had a clear answer for people who have young children on the spectrum who are struggling, mm-hmm. but all of that kind of seems blurry now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so part of what it sounds like the two of you do really well is that you function like a team, but it doesn't always mean, you know, people say, oh, we got to be like a team. It doesn't mean you're always on the same page as a team. No. It's no, really no. about how you navigate conflict, how you work through the ups and downs, uh, you know, what, how you weather the storm, really. I mean, that's what it is. Fundamentally, if you believe you're going to work it out and stay together, no matter what the issue is. I think that gives you a good foundation. Honey. Yes. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) We're both sitting here like processing everything you said. No, it's still fucking hard sometimes. (laughs) Oh no, of course. It doesn't mean you're done. Like we said before, you're not really done. Yeah. No. And I think maybe this is a good time to go to the tool section. Cause I think, we're moving in that direction, right? It's about yes. what helps you, right? What helps yep. you? And I think Steve has something to share with us about yes, that. Yes, he does. Okay, so uh, let's go into the tools section. I got your tools for the toolbox. You need a wrench and you need a hammer and you need a screwdriver. Okay, so um, yeah, a I guess was it, I think it was about seven years ago, hun, that, um, you know, you went through this time and you came up with this really great, um, kind of, I guess it would be called a life motto or something of some sort. And I really am excited about you sharing this with the audience. Well, when I began to, uh, when I found out that I was suffering from depression, uh, and my life seemed to be falling apart. I sat down and and I came up with five questions to ask myself every morning. Uh, The first question was, do I have food? And if the answer is yes, then I can move on to the next question. Do I have shelter? 
uh, was the second question. Do I have a place to live today? Yes, I have a place to live today. If the answer is yes, I move on to the third question. Uh, and the third question, do I have love? And, and this is not just love that I receive, but love I give. And, and so I can have love no matter what the situation uh, is. So then I can move to the fourth question, which is the fourth question was, do I have a sense of purpose? And uh, that was really difficult when I was going through my deconstruction because my whole purpose in life prior to that was this faith, this religion, this God that I had. And afterwards, uh, it was, you know, it's kind of hard to find a purpose. But then I, I thought immediately, yes, I do have a purpose. I have my, uh, my I have Asher. He's my purpose. Uh, so my uh, my purpose is is to help Asher become the best human being he can possibly be. In addition to that, that he'll have the most comfortable life that he can possibly be. So I've got a purpose. Uh, and then the fifth question I asked myself was, uh, do I accept myself? Mm. And at any time, if I can answer all six of, uh, or all five of those questions, yes, then I can make it through the day. My past life and my past mental health issues was either me living in the past uh, with regret or I don't know how you would call it, the, the kicking yourself uh, for your failures. Uh, the Guilt and shame. Uh, guilt and shame. Guilt and mm -hmm. shame. Mm -hmm. Guilt and shame. It was this recurring theme and looking at my past. And then I would uh, also be anxious about my future. Where am I going to be next? And I think that has to do a lot with uh, me moving around so much and never mm -hmm. having stability. And uh, is that I had this fear of what was going to happen in tomorrow. And if you ask those five questions, you can answer yes to those five questions, then you are okay in the moment. Yeah. Do you have food? Do you have shelter? Do you have water? Do you have love? And if those answers are yes, then uh, you can make it through the day and let's get through the day. And that really trans it began to transform my life. Wow. It's, it really is beautiful and fundamental, right? And then it goes beyond that. You know, you're, it's like the answer, answering your basic needs. And then, and then really what we think of as beyond that, but having purpose in your life and having love and those kinds of things I think are also fundamental. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think it really kind of hits on the three different aspects of our life, you know, it deals with our physical being mm -hmm. deals with our emotional being and, mm -hmm. and even build, it deals with us on our spiritual uh, you just said spiritual. I yeah. just said spiritual. <laughs> but it's, it's true. I mean, spiritual doesn't necessarily mean religious, right? No. No, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 let's face it. There's a part of us that we don't quite understand. And what we do with that uh, person is call it our spirit or okay. yeah. soul. Uh, um, soul. Yeah. Um, and, and it's about being healthy in all three areas, yeah. uh, mentally, physically, and uh, emotionally and spiritually. Yeah. And one of the things that you um, talked about with your purpose is when in, in decision making, you would do questions about uh, like, is this a good decision? And yes. um, I'm going to I'm going to go over this really quick because I thought this was very good. Is this decision good for me and good for others? Is this decision good for me and bad for others? It's kind of the narcissist motto. Um 
Is this decision bad for me and good for others? Is this decision bad for me and bad for others? And so that was like a, Hmm. um, the questions you would ask yourself about decisions you would make. Yes. As far as your purpose. Wow. Yeah. That's great. And so the decisions that we make in our life should benefit not only ourselves, but those around us. Uh, and if it doesn't benefit those around us, then we're in exploitation. Mm. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's another thing trying to get rid of in my life is uh, living to uh, with the benefit of exploitation, which is really hard when you really think about it. Mm. I mean, you can't even eat some chocolate because of the exploitation of children. But um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So this is, I don't know, this interview has been so chock full of just much, (laughs) so much. (laughs) It's been fun. Yeah, for me too. I mean, it's been, there were moments that were really, you know, like profoundly sad even, I would say. And, um, but I so appreciate your openness and willingness to share. I think when we talk about our experience, you know, we come at it from the mom perspective. It's so refreshing and and wonderful to have your input and the perspective uh, mm-hmm. y- that you bring to this and, and what you've been through, um, which I think a lot of uh, men will relate to and maybe um, you know, uh, women who are hearing the stories may see some of what you describe in, in you know, and their partners. So I really appreciate you doing this. Oh, I I had a ball. Well, appreciate it. And I hope that, uh, I hope you have a good day, honey, with me. And what we're doing is packing today. So I don't think you're going to have a good day. with me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good luck with that. So, yeah. So that's my husband. Well, thanks again to Steve for that wonderful interview and willingness to share and be open and vulnerable with his perspective. Yeah. Yeah. He does have a very interesting story. And Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, uh, he's a great dad. Um, We sometimes forget that, like, we were people before our children came along, right? (laughs) That we... (laughs) We were, we'd been through things. We had lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, that's probably one of the struggles that I have when I'm alone is like, Mm -hmm. who am I? Right. (laughs) What do I like? Yeah. Yeah. So I do appreciate him being willing to come on and do this, but I would love to do more interviews in the future. Yes. So if any listeners out there, um, if anybody would like to come on our show or, you know, somebody who would be great for our show, please Mm -hmm. do not hesitate to reach out. And where do they go, Autumn? Where, where should they, uh, um, yeah, they can, uh, email thrive at thriveunderwater.com thrive at thriveunderwater.com. Um, or you can reach out to us on Facebook and of course, join our community. Um, we, we do listen to you guys in there and we pop up some things every now and then, and you can reach out to us through messenger on right. the Thrive yeah. Underwater community. But yeah, this was great. Yes. Thank you. I survived. Thanks, yes. You, <laughs> it was, you were wonderful. You were wonderful. <laughs> All right. Thanks for taking the reins a lot on this one. No problem. It was my pleasure. And I don't think I did that much more than you usually do. So yeah, you did. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) It was a, it was a pleasure.
Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. See you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and tell your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if all this is too much to remember because you're busy treading water, check out our website at www.thriveunderwater.com. We have links to our shows, social media, blogs, resources. You can sign up for our newsletter and support our podcast. Thanks again and keep on thriving. Keep on thriving.